So we've gathered for Christmas, and Christmas is an annual festival that commemorates the birth of Jesus Christ. Christmas is observed not just by us. It is observed by billions of people around the world, literally billions. Christmas is commemorated religiously by Christians, but it's celebrated culturally by many, many non-Christians. And it forms an integral part of our winter holiday every year. Although the date of Jesus' birth is unknown, that's a fact, the church in the fourth century fixed the date of celebration of his birth as December 25th. And I'll just make a comment here, unsolicited, that's good enough for us because we worship Jesus every day of the year anyway, so December 25th is as good as any other day to celebrate. And we celebrate the eve of his birth tonight. Christmas is a time of family gatherings and rich traditions, and it includes so many traditions. Uh, for some families, the legend of Santa Claus. For most of us, the giving of, of gifts, exchanging of Christmas cards, preparing special meals, and singing Christmas carols like we did tonight, um, attending church services. Uh, putting up beautiful decorations like nativity scenes and garlands and wreaths and some of you still do mistletoe probably and holly and Christmas trees and we love it all. One of my personal annual traditions, every year I've had the opportunity to prepare for this particular service, one of my personal annual traditions is to scour the internet and find an advertisement that captures not just the economic activity of shopping, but the sentimental meaning of the Christmas season. And this may be my British roots, um, but for the last few years, I've been drawn to European Christmas advertisements, which seem to be a little less flashy, a less flashy and a little less rushed, and just a little bit more traditional than what we typically see in the media here. And every year, they actually, in Europe, they do this, you know, top Christmas commercial uh, competition. And, and this year, there were several strong contenders. I watched them all. I love them all. I love Christmas. But uh, this commercial by a Dutch pharmacy company called Doc Morris won my heart. And after millions of views, it also left a good portion of the internet in tears. The commercial involves a precious photograph and a dusty old kettlebell, a German grandfather and his newfound fitness regimen, a nosy neighbor, you always got to have that, and a special gift. And this commercial uh, also involves one of our most enduring traditions, and that is the Christmas tree. Take a look.
I don't know if that hit you in the feels like it did me or not, but if you didn't, it's okay. Every Christmas needs a Grinch. It's okay. <laughs> one of the traditional carols that we sing at this time of the year, we don't usually sing this one in church, but we usually sing at this time of the year, and this traditional carol also comes from the German-speaking world. You know it as O Christmas Tree. But the German version is O Tannenbaum. It was a 16th century folk song that became a 19th century love song. And originally, believe it or not, it had absolutely nothing to do with Christmas and certainly nothing to do with decorated trees. O Tannenbaum simply means O fir tree, which doesn't make for a very inspiring song. And it actually had very tragic lyrics in its original form. It was a tragic love song. And it contrasted the lost love of a man with a faithful fir tree that he saw in the forest. And what he admired about this fir tree, and he wrote the poem that later became the song, he admired its faithfulness that it never changed regardless of the season. The original words translated into English went through summer's heat and winter's chill. Your leaves are green and blooming still. O oh, Tannenbaum, O oh, Tannenbaum, how faithfully you blossom. Much later, of course, Christmas lyrics were added and it became, O oh, Christmas tree, O oh, Christmas tree, how lovely are thy branches. But through the years in the English language, there have been alternate versions. You can see this online everywhere. And some of the alternate lyrics reflect that original sentiment of that poem that became a song that became one of our traditional Christmas carols. 
One version says, O Christmas tree, O Christmas tree, your boughs can teach a lesson that constant faith and hope sublime lend strength and comfort through all time. I didn't come to talk to you about beautiful decorated trees tonight. I came to talk to you actually about another tree in the Bible that represented great loss for the human race, just like that poem represented great loss for that lovesick man who wrote it way back in the 12th century. But this tree represented great loss for all of us. In fact, it was eternal loss, eternal death and destruction, devastation, eternal defeat and damnation. And to all appearances, this tree marked the end of the road and the triumph of evil and the loss of all hope. But you read a few chapters past the Gospels and you will find the apostles in their letters and in their teaching and in their sentiment. They forever referred to that tree, the cross, a Roman instrument of execution. They forever would refer to it with fondness and reverence, believe it or not. Because Calvary was not at all what it first appeared to be. That old rugged tree became the greatest example of God's unchanging faithfulness. His constant love, his mercy, his grace toward us when we were so deserving. That's what that tree came to represent. And the apostles were unanimous in their fondness and their reverence for the tree. Peter, the day of Pentecost preacher, he wrote these words. He said, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Peter said that is one powerful tree that we preach about. Christmas, brothers and sisters, is not just a cultural observance for us, not for Christians. Christmas is the story of a God who loved us so much that he could not stay in heaven while his creation went to hell. Christmas is the story of a baby who was born in a humble manger who grew up to be a man who died on a cruel cross, who became our Savior, who rose from a borrowed tomb, and our Lord who promised that he would return for his church. And Christmas is all of that and more because if you will let it, the Christmas story can become your story. The beauty of the Christmas story is that God took on a human nature that he had never had so that one day you could take on a divine nature that you had never had. It's the great exchange. The theologians call it the incarnation. But whatever you call it, it's absolutely beautiful and astounding that God would love us so much that he would humble himself and he would be born and laid in a, in a manger, in a trough for feeding animals. Wouldn't it have been wonderful to join the shepherds on that very first Christmas. 
Wouldn't it have been exciting to make your way from the fields where you just heard from a great host of angels and they'd announced the birth of a baby? Wouldn't it have been something to get caught up in all of that excitement and run to that manger and join his mother and father in worshiping him? That would have been something. It's a beautiful part of the story, but unfortunately, you couldn't be there. You were born 2,000 years too late. Wouldn't it have been a privilege to join the, the massive throngs and the crowds as they followed this itinerant rabbi from Nazareth just to hear his profound teaching and just to experience those powerful miracles? That's a remarkable part of the story of this baby who was born, who grew up to be a man, a famous teacher, but more than that, a miracle worker. That is a remarkable part of the story. But unfortunately, you couldn't be there because it happened 2,000 years ago. It would have been difficult, but it surely would have been a high honor to stand at the side of Jesus during the hours of his betrayal and his trial and his crucifixion. Wouldn't it have been an honor to stand there knowing what we know when the rest of the world turned their back on their own Messiah? Wouldn't it have been an honor to stand there in his support? That's a tragic part of the Christmas story, but it doesn't matter because you and I couldn't be there. We were born 2,000 years too late. It would have been a thrill to be standing somewhere on that very first Easter Sunday morning near that empty tomb, just somewhere close, when an angel announced, he is not here. He is risen. Wouldn't it have been awesome to stand there and watch the realization dawn on the faces and in the hearts of the disciples that he really did it. He really pulled it off. He really did what he said he was going to do. Destroy this temple, but in three days I will raise it up again. Wouldn't it have been awesome to just be there somewhere and watch that victory? It's a powerful part of the story. But we couldn't be there. We came too late. We're 2,000 years removed. Wouldn't it have been amazing at the end of his earthly ministry to stand on that nondescript hillside with all of those first century believers as they watched Jesus, the man they had heard, his teaching, They'd seen his miracles. They'd even watched his death and then they rejoiced over his resurrection but they'd never seen anything quite like this. As he spoke with them, he began ascending up into heaven. Now they'd never seen that before. And, and as he went up into heaven, wouldn't it have been amazing to watch Jesus ascend? It's a miraculous part of the story. You couldn't be there. I couldn't be there. 2,000 years separates us from that story. But wait just one minute. Because when that last event happened, there was an announcement given by another angel who said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken 
up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Don't miss the significance of what the angel just announced. This same Jesus, the baby in the manger, the miracle worker, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, the victor over death and hell and the grave, this same Jesus, the one who came the first time in an obscure village, this same Jesus will come the second time in the clouds of heaven. This same Jesus, the one who was rejected and crucified, will return to be worshiped and glorified. It will be different the next time he comes to this earth. You couldn't be here the first time he came. But the great news that tail ends the Christmas story is this. You can be there the next time he comes. You couldn't be here the first time he came. It would have been something to be in Bethlehem on that holy night, on that silent night, on that beautiful night. It would have been something to see an announcement by angels, but I'll give you one better than that. When Jesus returns in the clouds of glory, he's coming back to receive us unto himself. You couldn't be there the first time, but you get to be there if you want to be there the second time he comes. We, we've been studying Thessalonians here uh, at CCC for about seven weeks, which, you know, you get into one of those long midweek series, and for the saints, it's kind of like they start believing in the great tribulation, but we were studying Thessalonians, and it was so amazing, but this is like the capstone scripture in the two books of Thessalonians. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then here's where we get into the act. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So in a year... When the world seems upside down and in a year when it's very confusing and frustrating and isolating and we've had all kinds of restrictions and all kinds of news reports and so much panic and fear and just so much chaos in culture, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Your final destiny is not some kind of cultural revolt. It's not some kind of pandemic. Your final destiny is not even the grave where we may bury your body. Your final destiny is heaven. And whether you are alive at his coming or you've passed on and we've bid you fond farewell at his coming, we will be reunited in heaven. And that is the end of this Christmas story that began with a little baby in a manger. He came. He came here so you could go there.
There is no greater privilege than being a child of God. There is no greater responsibility than getting yourself and everyone you love prepared for his second coming. And there is no greater joy than knowing that someday, no matter how separated and distanced we may be, there is coming a day when the children of God from every kindred and nation and tribe and tongue, that's the end of the Christmas story. We're going to get together there. 2020 has been a very difficult and frustrating year for most of us. Dealing with a worldwide pandemic. Who would have thought? And all the restrictions that that has imposed. Even our church services and our Christmas celebrations have been affected. If you'd have told me we were going to have a Halloween service with masks, I might have believed you. I never saw a Christmas service with masks coming. That didn't enter my mind. But with all the inconveniences and all the frustrations of COVID-19 and all of the rules and regulations, for some families here, COVID-19 is far from the worst thing they have encountered this year. Precious people in our church and in our city have suffered debilitating sickness, chronic pain, financial setbacks, family problems, crippling heartache, and devastating loss. And if you only look back at the first part of the story, Christmas seems like just one more struggle to get through because life is so tough and hard and difficult and complicated and sad. If you only look back at the beginning of the story, Christmas is just another deal that you've got to get through. Put on a happy face so people don't think that you're just weird and you just got to tough it out and get through. And while for most of us, we're going to enjoy Christmas, there are some that have things they have to endure this year. If you only look back at the beginning of the Christmas story, <laughs> Christmas is just a struggle for many people. But if you can bring yourself to lift up your eyes and look ahead to the end of the Christmas story, Christmas brings us great hope because the baby born in Bethlehem, will soon be crowned King of kings and Lord of lords. And if you're part of his church, you get to be there when all of heaven rejoices. <laughs> I know it's Christmas Eve, but you're allowed. You can worship God for a second on Christmas Eve. Thank you, Jesus. This local church family has been so kind to our family this year. As most of you know, our family experienced a great loss in September with the passing of my beloved father. But yesterday, our sweet daughter, Emily, she captured the other side of that story in a beautiful post. And here's what she wrote. This chair sits empty this year 
And the loss of our precious Grampy has certainly brought a lot of perspective. He lived his every day for that day. And I know one thing for certain, there wasn't one single day that he regretted that choice. This year, I've seen it more clearly than ever before. The days I have here are not what I'm here for. They're too short. They're too numbered. I won't ever have enough time to do all the wonderful things I'd love to do with my kids, with my family, with my life. It's kind of sad, but it's life. They're too fragile. One diagnosis, one accident, one big fight, our house of cards might just tumble. It's kind of depressing, but it's life. They're out of our control. Oh, have we all had a lesson in how little we really control this year? It's kind of infuriating, but it's life. But what peace in knowing the one who is in control, whose strength becomes fully visible when we're at our weakest, the one who holds all of time in his hands, the one who came to offer the greatest gift. Give me your short, fragile life, and I'll give you all of eternity. Reunited forever, restored forever, redeemed forever. It's kind of unbelievable, but it's life. It's real life. It's eternal life. And it is the reason he came. I think that's beautiful. But of course, I'm just a tad prejudiced, so... But I would say this, as you gather with your family tonight or tomorrow or over the next few days, remember something. Remember to slow down and take time to enjoy the moments and the memories and the meals, the traditions and the togetherness and the conversations and the laughs and the love. Slow down and take time. Because all too quickly, babies grow up, kids head off to school, teens leave home, parents grow old, and loved ones pass on. It would be all kind of sad and pitiful were it not for the hope that is provided by the real, the first Christmas tree. Jesus said these words to his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, I came, but now I'm going. I go not to leave you 
I go not to forsake you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. That's an odd little Christmas Eve message, I know. Most of them are, though, you've got to admit. When you've got a pastor that scours the internet for European Christian Christmas commercials, it's just kind of weird. But I want to tell you that some Christmas very, very soon, we are all going to be together at Jesus' house for Christmas. The beautiful, eternal home he has prepared for his bride. No more tears or sorrow. No more suffering or pain. No more COVID-19. Thank you, Jesus. We will be together forever. A beautiful place that he has prepared for his bride. You didn't get to be here. You couldn't be here for the first chapter of the Christmas story. But you can be there for the last chapter of the Christmas story. Emily's so creative. And something, a couple of weeks ago, she made a little video with a beautiful Christmas song, put a lot of pictures of her grampy in it, and we enjoyed that as a family. And she gave me this wonderful idea for Christmas Eve that I hope you enjoy as much as I, I did making it. Some of you that are younger, or maybe you're just new at CCC, you won't recognize some of the faces in this closing video. But let me tell you something. Their memories are held deep in our hearts, and we are longing for the day when we get to join them in heaven for the end of the Christmas story because they were part of this church, our church, most importantly, his church, and we are another Christmas closer to seeing Jesus and seeing all of them again. Take a look. It was almost like our two hearts beat as one The melodies we played, the countless things we'd done Now all that I have left are treasured memories So I'm cherishing the hope this sacred season brings I'm another Christmas closer To seeing you again To walking hand in hand Where life will never end I'm longing for the day But until then I'm another Oh,
as I kneel beside the stone that marks your resting place. I ache to hear your voice and feel your presence near. Oh, I miss you the most this special time of but why don't you lift up your hands and your voice and just thank Jesus for such a hope. Kathy, come back and help me. Would you just lift up your voice and thank Jesus for a hope? We do not suffer and we do not grieve. We do not mourn like others who have no hope because we know the real meaning of Christmas, who is a person, who is a Savior who is a Lord. If you do anything with your one and only solitary life, make sure you are ready for the next time he comes. You couldn't be at the first time, but you can be at the second appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hmm. Wow. Would you sing it with me? It's not a Christmas song, but it fits. What a day that will be. 